Welcome to Mighty Way Books Presents Kids and Kindness, Encouraging Stories for Children Ages 8 to 13. I'm your host, Mabel Elizabeth Singletary, and each week I will be sharing children's books centering on kindness, friendship, teamwork, respect, courage, and compassion. We are living in a time where it seems we have gotten away from the importance of loving thy neighbor, i.e. showing kindness and compassion to others. The others I speak of can be people who may not look like you or me or share our views. However, learning to see value in every human being is a lesson from which we all can benefit. I hope you will join me each week to listen and enjoy our stories. And don't forget to visit MightyWayBooks.com where you will find encouraging and inspiring books for children ages 8 to 13. In chapter 6, Jeremiah met Mike and Ronnie, two of PJ's friends on the track team. They joked about the possibility of having Jeremiah run with them instead of George Radcliffe Jr., who they saw as the reason for their team's many losses. Although Mr. Kennedy informed them that making such a substitution wouldn't be possible, Jeremiah was happy to stretch alongside the blue team and pretend he was one of the runners. Chapter 7, The Meet Suddenly the sound of the announcer's voice could be heard over the entire field. On your mark, get set, go! The starting pistol was fired and from that second Jeremiah's attention was focused on the runners as they sped around the track. Each one was careful to stay in his own lane. For this event, a baton was passed to each runner as he started his part of the course. PJ's team was competing against five other teams comprised of runners ages 9 and 10. The only thing distinguishing one team from the other was the color of the t-shirts worn for the day's competition. Mike was designated as the lead runner for the blue team, and at the sound of the starting pistol, he charged off from the starting line with all his might. He could feel himself running against the wind as it gently whipped against the sides of his face. His left hand held tightly onto the baton as he used it to propel himself through the air to finish his leg of the race. PJ was next, so he waited for Mike to get as close to him as he could. When the time was right, PJ reached his hand out to grab the baton. He was more than ready. He knew speed was important, but if the handoff wasn't complete, it could ruin the entire run. He focused himself just as his dad had taught him to do. As soon as he could feel the baton in his hand, he tightly gripped his fingers around it and darted off to run the second leg of the race. He could hear the sound of voices yelling, Go, PJ! You can do it! All the way! All the way! It was Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy, Jeremiah, and the rest of his teammates. Their cheers and excitement seemed to give him extra energy as he made his way around the track. He felt he was moving faster, and when he saw that he had just about reached the end of his portion of the run, he leaned forward with the baton to give himself a little more of an edge. He could see George's hand held out and waiting for him to come and hand off the baton. The palm of George's left hand was perspiring uncontrollably, and he began to worry that something might go wrong. George was the third runner for the team, so the minute he stepped off, everyone knew the blue team had made it halfway through the race. 
George smiled the second he could feel the smooth wooden stick resting in the palm of his hand. He wanted his feet to move faster, but was pleased enough just knowing the baton was still in his hand. He could see Ronnie waiting up ahead when the worst thing that could happen did happen. George dropped the baton, and when he turned around to pick it up, he found that he was encircled by the wind created by the rest of the runners as they speedily passed by him. Ronnie yelled as loudly as he could, Come on, George! Come on! Keep going! George could feel himself breathing harder, and his brain was telling his legs to move, but just as in times past, the rest of him had decided to give up. He stood there silently watching as each of the other runners passed their batons to the last runner on their team. Though his teammates were still yelling his name, he could no longer hear them. He bent down, picked up the baton, and walked the rest of his leg of the race. Finally, he could see Ronnie waiting up ahead, still positioning himself to get ready for the handoff of the baton. The sound of his teammates yelling got louder. Come on, George! George, run! Holding the baton in the crevice of his left arm, he cupped his hands over his ears to block out the sound of their voices. George had once again given up, and when he passed the baton to Ronnie, the other teams were so far ahead, it didn't matter. The blue team knew they were on their way to losing another race, and once again, they could deposit their loss directly into the lap of George Radcliffe. Ronnie saw the last runner for the red team cross the finish line and knew for a fact there was no possible chance of winning. But when George finally reached him, he grabbed the baton and ran his distance with the same force and power he would have used had he been in first place instead of last. Ronnie ran alone, and he could see the finish line up ahead and crossed it. With his head hanging down, George stood silently waiting with the rest of the team. He wanted to apologize, but didn't know what to say. He had already said he was sorry after causing the team to lose the last five races. After a while, he knew there were no words no one wanted to hear. And he sensed his teammates had probably stopped listening to him more than a few races ago. Like the others on the team, he was tired of losing, and beyond that, he was tired of being the cause of all their losses. We were in the lead, Mike yelled. Disappointment was written all over his face, and though he tried to hide it and would certainly never admit it, he was crying. Yeah, Ronnie shouted. We should have won. Mike was fuming. He gritted his teeth and looked squarely at George. And we could have won if it wasn't for me, George said, finishing Mike's sentence. It was me. Again, he stood silent with his head lowered. Clearly, he was ashamed and embarrassed about doing so poorly in the race yet again. Mr. Kennedy walked over to where his team was standing and interrupted. You all did great out there today. He patted George on the back, and I could see you were trying to work on your speed. Mike nudged PJ in the arm and whispered, Speed? What speed? He doesn't have any. PJ gave a half smile to Mike's comment. Ronnie stepped forward and glanced over at George. Some of us did try, Mr. Kennedy, but when are we ever going to win? I'm sick of losing all the time. Me too, Mike agreed. PJ's eyes turned toward his dad. He didn't say anything, but the sadness in his eyes told the same story. He was tired of losing too. He knew his dad would say something the team needed to hear. He always did. Somehow, even though they never had won a blue, a red, or even a yellow ribbon, 
Mr. Kennedy could always find just the right words to make the team feel as if they at least had a chance. It wasn't unusual for him to load up the team into the car and take them out for victory ice cream. And if one of the boys reminded him that they hadn't won, he'd simply say they were celebrating the victory, which was yet to come. PJ wasn't so sure about his teammates, but he believed what his father told them, and in his mind created a picture of the day when the blue team would hold out their hands and receive their winning ribbons. But for now, the pain they were all feeling from today's loss was still very real. Just as the other teams were coming off the field, one boy from the green team, the team that had taken third place in the relay, tapped George on the arm as they walked by. Thanks, man, he said, wearing a smirk on his face. Couldn't have done it without you. All right, team, Mr. Kennedy called out. Let's do it. This was the part Mike hated the most. Whether win or lose, Mr. Kennedy never forgot to have his team shake hands with their opponents. And as always, they put themselves in the same line order in which they ran and shook the hands of the winners. Now that wasn't so bad, was it? Mr. Kennedy asked. Mrs. Kennedy and Jeremiah came down from the bleachers and greeted the team. You're all running so much better, Mrs. Kennedy encouraged. You looked real good out there today. Jeremiah excitedly stuck his head into the group. And it was the best race I ever saw in my whole life. How many races have you seen? Ronnie asked. Jeremiah thought for a moment. One. But if I had seen some more, this still would have been the best. Mr. Kennedy could see that his team was more than a little down about losing another race. How about we go and have some ice cream? We can go over to 50 plus flavors. No matter how bad George may have been feeling, he quickly took the bait. I'm in, Mr. Kennedy, he yelled. Ronnie took his foot and kicked up some dirt. I don't want no more ice cream. I'm sick of ice cream. I want to win a race. Mrs. Kennedy could tell that maybe her husband's system of reward had possibly run its course. It appeared the boys were tired of getting treats when they hadn't done anything to earn them. I don't think Coach Kennedy feels good about losing either, she said. Maybe having some ice cream will help him feel better. She glanced over at her husband and saw him smile. It was easy to see that the two of them also worked as a team. Her words were pretty convincing because when the boys looked at Mr. Kennedy, they resolved they would at least have one more ice cream for him. I guess I'll go, Ronnie said as he used his foot to smooth over the dirt he had just kicked. Me too, Mike added. I don't have a choice, PJ chuckled. And if I did, I'd choose a double scoop of chocolate with lots of nuts and some whipped cream on top. Jeremiah, who had been quiet up to that point, stepped forward and looked directly into Mr. Kennedy's eyes. He studied them and thought about how Grandma Joni always told him how you can see a whole lot when you look somebody in the eyes. They're like a mirror, she'd say, and a mirror don't lie. Mr. Kennedy's eyes, Jeremiah told himself, were kind. Can I have ice cream too, he asked quietly. Mr. Kennedy pointed to where the grassy area ended. If you can beat me in a race from here to there, you can have as many scoops as you like. PJ screamed the count. One, two, three, go! Jeremiah didn't hear another word. In what seemed like a flash, he began running toward the end of the field, carefully looking back every few seconds to make sure Mr. Kennedy didn't run past him. I made it, he yelled. I got here first and you owe me three scoops of ice cream. 
Mr. Kennedy wasn't surprised that Jeremiah got there first, but he was amazed at how fast he did it. Wow, he exclaimed. When Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy and the others reached the car, Mr. Kennedy reached down into his pocket and pulled out a $20 bill. He held it up high so Jeremiah could see it. I hope this will be enough. I'd be smart not to challenge you again. Jeremiah nodded his head, yes, and climbed into Mr. Kennedy's car with PJ and George, while Mike and Ronnie rode with Mrs. Kennedy. You ought to be on our team, Ronnie called over to him. Mike agreed, yeah, you run so fast, I bet we could win if you was running with us. Thanks, Jeremiah said. He sat back in his seat and felt good that for once in his life, someone was glad he knew how to run. He wondered if it was too much to ask God, in addition to letting him stay with the Kennedys, to also find a place for him on PJ's track team. And he didn't care if he ever won a blue ribbon. He just wanted a chance to run with the wooden baton and pass it on to a teammate as he had just seen the others do during the track meet. Maybe once a placement was found for him, if it was a home close by, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy would let him run with the team sometime. Feeling a little cramped because he shared the back seat of Mr. Kennedy's car with some ever-present sports equipment and now George, Jeremiah burrowed himself in a corner and prayed real hard that by the next meet, there might be a spot on the team just for him. I hope you enjoyed today's reading from Mighty Way Books Presents Kids and Kindness. Please join us next week when I will continue sharing stories from the collection of encouraging and inspiring books for kids ages 8 to 13, which can be found at MightyWayBooks.com. Until we meet again, I wish you a great week and ask you to do something nice for someone and to show kindness to everyone.